Hello and welcome to Overinvested, a podcast about pop culture obsessions. I'm Gavia Baker-Whitelaw and here is my co-host Morgan Davies. Hello. So this week we watched Saint Maud, a British horror drama written and directed by Rose Glass. Morvid Clark stars as a hospice nurse named Maud, hired as a home carer for a glamorous retired dancer played by Jennifer Ely. The two women become embroiled in a contentious relationship as Maud grows more obsessed with her Catholic faith, convinced that God has given her a sacred mission. So yeah, we're very excited to um, discuss this. And by we, I mean me, because this was my favourite film of last year, as we uh, said in our top 10 films of 2020 episode. Love some horror. <laughs> yes, I saw this finally this past week, having waited impatiently for it for many months. I think it was at Sundance last year, if I recall correctly. It was one of these movies that was meant to go on wide release in 2020, but then, you know, the pandemic happened and this movie was not as huge as it should have been. But, you know, films that don't have really big stars in the title roles tend not to get a very big promotional budget. (laughs) Yes. Well, A24, which released this movie in America, held it for a long, long time because they really wanted to put it out in theatres. They held all of their movies for a long time for that reason, partially due to, you know, they wanted the movies to have a cinematic life and also because they needed the money. Uh, And then eventually it just was not possible and they all had to kind of come out on digital platforms. So this movie sort of finally hit US screens in a slightly subdued way, which is a bummer for the people who made it. Obviously, it's been very well received, but you can definitely imagine this movie if it had gotten a theatrical release in a normal timeline, becoming kind of a sensation, and it obviously just wasn't possible. But we are here to discuss, and hopefully if you haven't seen it, you will go check it out, because it's very good. I definitely liked it less than you, which is not surprising, because of our various, you know, tastes. Yes, as I was saying to Morgan just before we started recording, this is the kind of film that I like. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's the kind of film I like too, it's just not like my favourite genre, which basically is yours. And I basically felt, to give like a big picture take before we get into the details, I thought the acting and directing of this movie was like totally extraordinary and I thought the script was kind of weak. So that was kind of where I came down on it. But we will get into the details of all of that. But why don't you start us off with a little bit of information about the director, Rose Glass, because this was her first movie, which is very impressive. Yeah, it's fantastic. She went to film school. She's done a few shorts. I think mostly kind of music videos, but there's one 20 minute short, which I'd like to see, which is kind of a, an erotic drama, which sounds like it's very good. But she kind of was working on this concept of making a horror drama about a young woman who has a kind of religious obsession and believes that she's speaking to God. So she kind of redrafted this script for St. Maud for several years. And it's kind of interesting what you say about the writing, because I also think this film is incredibly directed and acted Um, But like what she said about the writing is she basically just didn't really know how to write. So this is like a very impressive first feature from that perspective, because clearly she has kind of the training from a directorial perspective. But like I read an interview where she said like, oh, someone had to explain that you need to like map out plot points. (laughs) Because she was kind of doing it all freehand and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, this isn't a director about whom there's a great deal of information around. There's She's done lots of promo interviews for this movie, but I'm very excited to see what she works on next, which I believe will be another horror film. 
Um, and she was making this in a very low budget. Like from our perspective, we're like, this movie should have been so much bigger. But um, from her perspective, I get the impression she was very happy with how big it got, which was, you know, getting an international release rather than vanishing into the doldrums of low budget British cinema. So, you know, it's done pretty well from that perspective. And I think it's kind of got that kind of cult recognition. But also just as like a religious film, um, her background is that she kind of came from the general sort of culturally Christian British background but um, while she did attend Catholic school with like nuns as teachers and so forth she is not Catholic and is not especially religious so she just has kind of a morbid fascination with the theme. Which I found quite interesting because obviously I am not British but I've spent a fair amount of time in the UK and have a lot of British friends and it's very common certainly in like the northeast where I'm from in America for people to go to Catholic school. Like there are a lot of Catholic schools everywhere and a lot of Catholic people. And even if you're not Catholic, like if there's a good parochial school in your area, it's not like super uncommon for your parents to maybe decide that that might be a good choice to send you there. But my impression is that, like it's less common in the UK for that to be the case. So I yeah. thought that was interesting. I mean, generally it's like people who are actually Catholic or if your parents want you to go to an all-girls school. So a lot of the people who go to the Catholic school where I live are not Catholic, but they come from backgrounds where their parents don't want them to go to school with boys. Yeah. But, you know, she she kind of coincidentally went to a Catholic school and that clearly had, like, some impact on her, on her creative background. <laughs> yes, because, as you said, this movie is, you know, firmly in that zone. Although I feel like the way it kind of engages with those themes is sort of, it's interesting. I, I feel like you can kind of feel like it's not really from the deepest religious place. Yeah, the fact that it's like not really engaging very deeply with kind of what I would describe as like Catholic mythology, I think is a strength because I watch a lot of horror movies and Western horror movies are very into the Catholicism side of Christianity. Um, because, you know, you've got all this really fun imagery to play with and, you know, spooky nuns. And also there's like a long history of films like The Exorcist to draw from, which then sort of inspire that. And also everything to do with exorcisms, like people always want to do a Catholic exorcism. And in a general sense, I do get very frustrated by the fact that Hollywood horror movies are really obsessed with Catholicism without really examining, I guess, like Catholic culture or any sort of detail but with this, the lack of detail was so kind of intentional and thoughtful. It wasn't really about someone who's like really embedded in Catholic faith. It's about someone who has converted kind of as an adult because of very specific psychological and emotional reasons. And they're like, I, I you know, basically this character Maud is passionately obsessed with the idea of just punishing herself. <laughs> um, and it's this, this very strange, fascinating character who's kind of, in the same realm as like the protagonist of Taxi Driver, like that is the the general subgenre that we're looking at here. The Taxi Driver comparison is very amusing to me. I would not have. You're not wrong, but that's not a comparison that I would have come up with. I mean, I feel like there's actually a lot of lack of specificity with that main character, which is part of the problem I have with the movie. I think that the performance from Morpheus Clark is really fantastic, but part of what I struggled with with the script was that, and she's, Rose Glass talks about this um, in this interview you mentioned that she did with Rachel Handler at Vulture, which was a great interview, that she didn't want to sort of explain that, like, she had, like, one thing that was, like, the trauma of her life that led her to 
convert or like behave in this way. But I feel like there's kind of a fuzziness to what's going on with that character. And the performance is so strong that I was really engaged with her the whole time. Like I found this movie super watchable and entertaining. But at the end, I was like, who is she? What's motivating her? Like, why is she doing this? And I think that the slight fuzziness about the Catholic stuff plays into that a bit too, because it's so kind of almost like detached from actual Catholic ideology that it's again, this kind of like abstract made up idea of Catholicism, which again, I get that you can say like, well, she's just kind of made it up herself, but then like, I don't know who this woman is or what's motivating her. So dot, 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 question mark. Like, I, well, I had a very positive view of all of that. I really liked the way that she was sort of mysterious and ambiguous Um, which I guess we'll have to kind of talk a bit more about the plot first before we go into this. But, um, you know, the way this character is introduced is that she she does have this very kind of nun-like existence. She's dressed very plainly. She's living in this very small bed set and clearly like either doesn't have any money or is intentionally not spending any money and is living extremely frugally. And she's in this small English beach town and the kind of introduction is one of my favourite classic introductions to any horror film or story, which is a young woman has to walk up to a big spooky house. <laughs> just a, just an iconic opening. But in this case, the spookiest person in the house is definitely Saint Maud. <laughs> so she kind of starts working with uh, this middle-aged woman played by Jennifer Ely, who's this delightfully kind of intense, very charismatic role, quite an unpleasant person. Like when um, Maud first arrives at the house, she's swapping jobs with the previous home care hospice nurse. And she's like, oh, what's she like? And the other nurse is like, a cunt. (laughs) So that's like the introduction you get. Um, This movie is very funny, by the way. There's loads of kind of laugh out loud moments, both in the kind of uncomfortable horror sense and both just very amusing. Because just at this initial introduction, you get like a bit of voiceover from Maud speaking to God. And she's like, well, as you know, I don't have much patience for creative types. I find them very self-involved. And I was just like, oh, okay, this is definitely going to be like a funny movie. <laughs> and of course, there's just this very awkward interplay between Jennifer Ely's character, um, Amanda, who is dying of cancer and clearly had this very active social life beforehand. And um, Maud, who is just very awkward and sort of dowdy and obviously extremely Christian, but sort of towards the middle of the film, we do kind of realise that this isn't how she always was. This is like a relatively recent development. And before that, she was a bit more kind of normal slash wild. Yes. I thought Jennifer Ely was also great. I think she's one of like the most underrated or underappreciated actors working in sort of like the Hollywood slash UK system at the moment. Obviously, people will probably know her best from the Pride and Prejudice miniseries from the 90s with Colin Firth, uh, which she's great in. But she's in, she works all the time. It's not like she's not getting She's like a really prolific character actress. And she doesn't like, it's ridiculous because it's like, of course, she's like really beautiful, but she doesn't have like the conventional leading women style that gets hired for leading women roles. But I also kind of feel like she probably likes to have interesting supporting roles more. When I, Yeah, when I say underappreciated, it's not that she doesn't have like a great career because she's worked with lots of great directors and does interesting stuff. I just think she's one of like the most talented actors currently working. And I don't think she really gets considered in that way because she has had this sort of more under the radar career and not done a lot of lead roles with the exception of that 
Pride and Prejudice, which is so famous. And I think she is astounding in this movie, clearly having the time of her life. Like, she is having so <laughs> much fun. In it's this so film. fun. There's such powerful vibes between, like, Maud and Amanda in this movie, because, like, it's this situation where Maud is very morbidly, like, excited to take care of someone, like, during their final days. Because she's like, oh, maybe I can, like, bring this person over to the light because this person's clearly lived a really sinful life. And meanwhile, Jennifer Ely is just sort of condescendingly amused by this whole situation while also being a bit sort of predatory because she's just bored as hell staying at home all day and there's just this sort of weird naive eccentric nurse shown up to be her plaything <laughs> and there's also some like sexy undertones because she has to help her do physical therapy and stuff yes although that's not played up very much at all no no and rose glass the director said in the that vulture article we've mentioned a few times that like she deliberately didn't want to go in that direction because that felt kind of like the expected yeah. thing. It was interesting because like Jennifer Ely's character is queer, but Maud isn't. Yes. And also doesn't like she's intent on like saving Amanda, Jennifer Ely's soul in a way that I found quite like the way she talks about it is quite amusing. And I thought was a really good sort of illustration of the way that oftentimes extremely religious people, particularly if they're, evangelical have to kind of lack the ability to be embarrassed about things right because you have to just be willing to just talk so earnestly about your beliefs especially if you're trying to convert someone right which if you're not the person who's talking can feel so cringy and uncomfortable and Morgan Clark when she's doing it is so persuasively just like oh <laughs> it's embarrassing to watch her and Jennifer Ely you can tell is totally just like stringing her along by pretending that she's like oh yes I too feel you know the power of God in the room or whatever and those scenes are really interesting I think that it's a slight sort of dodge by the movie to have Maude not be bothered by the queerness because if she's like so obsessed with Catholicism I felt like probably she would have adopted some of the less appealing things about Catholicism too. It's but like the stuff is so uneven. It's really funny because it's like, I mean, the obvious thing is the fact that she's just like, she's just not a nice person, which is just a really amusing element of Maud from day one. Cause she's like, she herself is the one who's self-absorbed because she's kind of complaining to God. Yes. She's like, well, I know that it's important work for me to be a hospice nurse, but I would really love it if you could just tell me what my sacred mission is. Cause clearly I'm much more important as like the protagonist of this heroic story about like suffering and tragedy. You don't get the impression that she's like doing a lot of stuff morally or like indeed attempting to follow the 10 commandments because it's all about her desire for suffering and her desire to like prove herself by converting this woman and the moral judgments she makes are just like all over the place which is very much in keeping with the way she's adopted this religion as like a personal like self-harm lifestyle choice without you know really looking into any of the kind of deeper faith and it's also kind of tying into the fact that she is convinced that she's speaking to God, which was a really delightful element of this film. The, the thing that you were kind of talking about with her being really earnest and uh, uncomfortably open with Amanda is like, there's this great scene where she sort of explains what it's like to communicate with God. And she's just describing an orgasm. Um, yes. <laughs> she's like, it's like, literally, it's just an <laughs> orgasm. Um, but it was just like, I loved that because it really kind of ties into 
historical kind of descriptions of religious ecstasy, which kind of, in retrospect, you know, there's a lot of armchair psychoanalysis about like, oh, was such and such a saint struggling with a brain tumour or whatever? And it's like, we obviously can't know that. But especially when you look at um, female saints, there's so many kind of descriptions of them describing kind of God's love in this like really phallic way, like, you know, being like stabbed with a spear of burning light. And like, there's this Saint um, Agnes Blanavkin who describes like tasting the foreskin of Christ and that sort of thing. And also, <laughs> if you're at all interested in the history of classical music, the vast majority of like female classical composers before kind of the late Renaissance were all nuns, because that was really the only time, the only way you could kind of have a historical record of someone's music that was written down and obviously all of that music is kind of written from the perspective of women about god and it's all horny i'm passionately obsessed with christ like this is my intense emotional experience because that's the way they are like permitted to express themselves and i was just like watching this like yes this film really gets it in a really self-aware delightful and also very grim way (laughs) Well, and if you look at the history of the sort of female saints, the way that you're talking about, which is not like an area of expertise of mine, obviously, but the sort of connection between those kind of ecstatic writings and also stories about female saints who suffered or supposedly suffered like unbelievable pain is very connected to each other as well, right? Like the Catherine Wheel stuff and which makes sense if sexuality is seen as deviant and something to be punished that get very tied together in the history of Catholicism. So I really liked all that stuff in this movie. And again, the performance is really strong. Um, And they do some cool stuff with effects where she's having these kind of orgasmic moments where like her face literally will get like, like her eyes will get really huge. Yeah, but like it's like, it's subtle enough that you're like, it's very unsettling because yes. it almost looks like it's real. So you're like, oh my God, how is she opening her mouth that wide? And it's like, oh, it's just like a centimeter too wide. <laughs> yeah. I kind of wanted the movie to be weirder, I think, or to get deeper into that kind of stuff because it kind of pushes up against those ideas, but then doesn't quite go too far with them. And I felt like it was strongest when it was doing kind of really strange things. But the whole idea basically is that you can't quite tell whether it's in her head or not. And I think that kind of keeps what they can do in a more terrestrial realm, basically, right? Like they can't go too far with the strangeness because you have to keep, you have to not be quite sure whether it's real or not. And that limits the movie a bit, I think, from going in a sort of stranger direction. And I think I kind of wanted it to be stranger, although I did really like the ending, which we'll talk about later. So like, I appreciated where it kind of resolved, but it felt like it wasn't quite pushing far enough for me. Yeah, that's kind of interesting in the context of other interviews I've read with Rose Glass, which also just made me really excited for what she does in the future, because it did seem like it was quite like a push to do a feature length film rather than a short for her, which for a lot of filmmakers, it's like, you know, they find it difficult to edit down. Whereas this is a short, a short feature, like it's under an hour and a half, which is pretty reasonable for horror film, which are usually shorter, but like, you know, maybe for film too, she will be 
more confident to put like even more in but i was i was very happy with this like there's a lot of body horror in this movie i mean we shouldn't we should discuss like the end right at the end but should we go into some more sort of spoilers for the middle section of the film obviously the relationship she forms with her patient does not go well she (laughs) she becomes very controlling because she's like obsessively trying to convert this woman while she's trapped in her house and um eventually things come to a head where she tries to like isolate amanda from this woman she's sleeping with for money like she's paying a woman to sleep with her and um (laughs) maude just has this very like intense standoff with this woman where she's like you need to leave her alone this is a very important time in her life and this woman who's just like a normal woman is just like oh what the fuck every scene where Maud interacts with just like a normal person in this movie is just deeply intensely uncomfortable in a very entertaining way but basically Amanda has like a big party where loads of people come around to her house and like reveals to Maud that she knows what's been going on and sort of humiliates her in front of all these people which leads to a confrontation that leads to Maud very predictably getting fired. And that's what fully just like pushes her off the deep end. She starts torturing herself. Like she puts nails in her shoes so she can be in constant pain while she's walking. That's the point where you sort of learn a bit more about her backstory. Like she used to be a nurse, but she lost her job because a patient died. And that's kind of kind of what like set her off in this path and she's clearly like isolated herself from her previous social circle where she was a bit of a party girl and you see her sort of adopting some of those old habits like she goes out and picks up a couple of guys for sex in like the most sordid and uncomfortable manner possible (laughs) while also increasingly hallucinating more and more that god is speaking to her and trying to communicate with her and that is really kind of where it enters the taxi driver zone in my opinion because it is just all about this person who is deeply unsettling for us to watch because we're seeing all of her but in everyday society people tend to just ignore things that make them uncomfortable so like she's just kind of passing through the world and she is a very isolated person and it's very much like a movie about mental illness without kind of going into the specifics of diagnosis I don't want to like bang on too much about the idea of this being like a movie by a woman because it's not a film that's really making any particular gender commentary. It's like obviously the fact that the protagonist is a woman is relevant, but it does feel like she is a very rare sort of character, even in a genre like horror where you get like a lot of weird and entertaining and fucked up protagonists. Like because she's so eccentric and so frumpy and her fucked up relationship with sex is not sexualized like it's like she goes and like gives some grody guy a hand job in a bar (laughs) and like it's a really uncomfortable scene but it doesn't feel exploitative and it feels like like you kind of feel sympathetic for the guy because it's like okay he's gone and like had a hand job from this random woman who's clearly kind of messed up but he's also like basically fleeing the scene like well what just happened <laughs> it's a it's a fascinating character and like i know we've kind of said like multiple times through this episode how much we enjoyed morvith clark's performance but i've just realized we kind of forgot to talk about like who she is <laughs> which is unfair because yeah. this is not a particularly well-known actor we have actually mentioned her a couple of times in the podcast before because like we've discussed the Jane Austen movie Love and Friendship in which she had a supporting role which is a just hilarious brilliant film love love and friendship and also she was in last year's David Copperfield in kind of one of the main supporting roles with Dev Patel and she's been in a few other things but like I just feel like um 
this actor's kind of filmography shows like a great deal of variety in a really interesting way. Um, and I did kind of look up a few interviews with her as well. And like, you know, she comes from a family of like health workers. So she had a personal interest in the fact that this character is a nurse. And she's also Welsh and bilingual Welsh and English, which comes in relevant in this film because when God speaks to her, he speaks in Welsh, which I thought was a very fun little detail. <laughs> yes. And she listens to the podcast, which I feel like we ought to disclose because we do know that. <laughs> yeah. None of us have communicated with Martha Clark, but we are aware that she listens to the podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, I, as I said, I think she's just like so great in this movie. I'd only seen her in one other thing, I think. But um, because I had some issues with the script, which like, I don't think it's a terrible script, to be clear. I just think it's sort of like, fine. And as compared to the acting and the direction, which I thought were really fantastic. So then that made me more critical of the script because I was comparing it to other parts of the movie I thought were really well executed. But I was then more impressed with her performance because I felt like she was really doing a great job giving life to a character that I felt was kind of fuzzy to me or would have felt that way on the page probably if I had just been reading the script and I still felt that a bit at the end of the movie as I said like I felt some degree of like who is this person but while I was watching it I didn't feel that way particularly because her performance was so specific and I think also there's a way that actresses get talked about when they're playing a character who's not glamorous or you know, charming or whatever, where people can be like, oh my god, that's so amazing that she played someone who wasn't like totally beautiful. <laughs> but I think it is kind of great and appealing to watch this performance because it's so uninterested <laughs> in being like that or like likable. Maud, I mean, is just like weird and off-putting. Socially awkward in an unsettling way. There are like a few shots where they like film her very softly and you're like my god it's the Mona Lisa and the rest of the time it's just this like really kind of average looking mousy person wearing these intentionally kind of frumpy clothes and frowning at things or experiencing like true religious ecstasy while she drives nails into her feet which is just like some <laughs> amazing faces happening in this film. <laughs> yeah there are a couple scenes where she is talking to a nurse she had known at the hospital who's just an incredibly like normal oh god woman, i love right? her yeah it's just these completely working across purposes where it's just this just really chirpy likable extremely plausible nurse straight out of like a british tv soap and then you've got saint Maud, who's just like operating on the i'm hallucinating god level <laughs> i don't know the name of that actress playing that nurse obviously it's on you know, online somewhere but like she was doing a very good job at just being like pleasant and normal and then the combination of her performance and then Clark being just like on one was so effective. I was just really taken in by that and thought, I mean, all the actors, even the sort of like little supporting roles, I thought did a great job. I liked the first half of the movie more because I thought that the combination of the two big actresses sort of interacting with each other, Clark and Ely, was really interesting and engaging to me and then once she's out of the house and is sort of like having sex with random guys that part was much less interesting to me that just felt a bit predictable and just her being kind of alone like she has a couple of those interactions like I was just describing with the other nurse that are 
entertaining, but it just felt less engaging than the kind of weird battle between these two great actresses who are kind of going at it in the first half. And it is basically exactly halfway through because I went to the bathroom and paused (laughs) and it was like exactly the midway point, which I'm sure also was a screenwriting thing where they were like, okay, so he's going to leave halfway through, which like I get from a sort of story perspective, but it did feel like something was missing a bit. Well, before we kind of go into the spoiler zone, I just want to shout out the production design and lighting in this film. Yeah. Because it has this like amazing soft gloomy color palette but it's definitely not one of those horror movies where it's like everything's in the dark like it feels very kind of luminous and creepy and that feels also very appropriate to like the idea of much of this film taking place inside the house of this person who's dying which is like a very quiet house with sort of soft lighting and kind of it feels like the house of an older person but like this this dancer would have been like in the prime of her career if she wasn't dying of cancer and you get that like amazing contrast with Maud's bed sit flat and kind of watching this the second time I was definitely sort of consciously thinking like wow they've managed to film this movie really cheaply in like three sets because <laughs> like there's so many scenes that are just like Maud by herself in this bed sit but it's just a great little scene because it's kind of this very small like single room with a sink and a bed and it's white and she's made this like weird little shrine to all of the stuff that she's decided is like her version of Christianity that she's made up so it's kind of this like young woman just like putting a bunch of posters on her wall but it's like cutouts of Jesus (laughs) which felt very in keeping with the fact that she's kind of making it up as she goes along with like what she feels Christianity and Catholicism is but yeah I just thought it was like visually really great kind of indoor production design and then you get all these just like very grim and depressing outdoor grey shots of like wandering around this uh, English beach town. Yeah I want to shout out the cinematographer um, Ben Fordsman also who I'm looking at his IMDb now and he's done a ton of shorts and several of the episodes of that show The End of the Fucking World but basically this is his most notable project by far. I think it's his first feature. And I thought the cinematography in this movie was really, really impressive. So I will be looking forward to seeing more of his work. Especially when you think of how many films have bad cinematography, which is like really, it's really astounding how many bad, how many movies are just like, what are you doing? Why does this look so flat and bad? (laughs) I was just gonna say, I feel like most stuff that comes out now looks bad. Especially if you watch, you know, a lot of older movies, which we both do, like the baseline level of craft has deteriorated significantly in the past 10 to 20 years. And this movie just looks great. And I feel like I've been definitely like, I have been the more negative voice on this podcast because there were things about the movie that I didn't love. But I want to be very clear that I think like all the craft stuff is top of the line. I thought it looked and sounded just fantastic um and particularly because it's such a dark movie as you were saying it takes place in these sort of like dim interiors and a lot of it is at night and that is very hard to do especially if you don't have any money or just like not as good at your job which a lot of uh current movies you could say that about it just looks so fantastic and the blacks are so rich that was part of the reason why i found it so sort of pleasurable to watch, even if I did have some issues with the story, was just like 
sort of an aesthetic level. I just thought it was totally fantastic. So I too am really looking forward to what all these people do next because I think there's a ton of talent here for sure. But why don't we get into the end? Yes. So Maud decides that God has given her a special mission which we see gradually unfold as she uh, drapes herself in a robe made of bedsheets, goes to Amanda's house, breaks in and has a kind of final conversation with Amanda, who at this point is, you know, she's had some sedatives because it's bedtime and she's clearly kind of out of it. And um, it kind of culminates in Amanda making it clear that like, of course she was faking any kind of religious conversion and Maud is delusional and like she's just being ridiculous and childish and that's not how the world works. And Maud initially kind of reacts by like being extremely upset, like the wool's finally been pulled from her eyes. But her actual reaction after that initial response is she just starts to hallucinate that Amanda is a demon who's like attacking her because like her brain just like can't handle the idea that she's not succeeded in her mission. So she just like fully has a fight with this person that she thinks is a demon and brutally stabs Amanda to death. (laughs) Um, Goes home, washes the blood off, then goes for a walk on the beach with a new uh, sheet and a massive bottle of, I think it's like nail polish remover or something, but it's like some accelerant which he pours over her head and burns herself alive. And the film just has this absolutely incredible final like 30 seconds where you kind of see the reactions of other people going for like early morning walks on this beach and they're like, what the fuck, holy shit, we need to stop this woman. And then you see things from Maud's perspective where she's having this like angelic moment where she's got like wings and all these people are kneeling down in front of her and they're like, it's so holy. And then the final literal second of the film is just like this horrifying screaming agony because what she's actually done is just like set herself on fire. And it's just this split second scream of horror And then the movie's over. And it's like, what a great ending. (laughs) What a fantastic ending. (laughs) Do you see them having the like, what the fuck reaction? You hear them. Because you can hear in the background, like when she's doing this, you hear people saying stuff like, oh my God, somebody stop her and that sort of thing. But when you see the crowd once she's done this and you kind of see it from Maud's perspective, she's seeing them all kneeling down and being like, oh, you know, you're successful. So like you do get before the final moment where they make it really clear that she's hallucinating and is dying horribly, you do kind of get some sort of auditory clues that other people are not responding in the way she thinks they are. So before this very bit at the end, I thought that there might be an actual like devil situation going on because so many horror movies like to literalize (laughs) that component see hereditary particularly because the one time we actually hear god speaking to her there's like a cockroach that crawls out of the sink and like goes and sits on her altar and then you hear the voice of god which seemed ominous to me i was like that doesn't seem like a great sign (laughs) and then there's the whole scene with Jennifer Ely sort of turning into a demon, which we find out is a hallucination. I think this whole last sort of last sequence, last 10 minutes or so, is really, really well done, especially that the last couple shots. I do feel like there's a little bit of like, I'm not totally sure what the movie is saying as like a whole. Fanaticism is bad, I guess. 
and I don't need every horror movie or movie in general to be like an allegory for a societal problem or to have like a strong statement about like, a, you know, a, a thing. But I think part of what I wanted from the movie that I felt wasn't totally there was a little more thematic depth, which I think goes back to what I was saying about wanting it to be a little bit weirder. This movie is really short, as we said, and it just felt like it was sort of approaching ideas or like different approaches to sort of doing things artistically and then not quite getting all the way there. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely things going on to do with, you know, the idea of social isolation and like this character who's going through a mental health crisis and or a religious freak out. And like, there's no one there for her. And like, she's all alone in the world, partly because she's isolated herself, but like, there's no one who's reaching out to her. Well, except that there is someone who's reaching yeah. out to her and she rejects them. Um, Again, like all of that stuff is in the movie. It just felt like it, it didn't feel that richly delved into, which is, again, part of the like my frustration with the script. I don't know that this movie has a lot to say about mental illness that's like that interesting no. to me. No. You know? like- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this film, if anything, is intentionally not going there particularly. They're just like, well, <laughs> there's some issues here. Um, but I think in terms of like the lack of specificity, we just have differing opinions on that. But also with this kind of horror movie, a lot of my appreciation is just like purely experiential. So sometimes like it does bother me when it's like, oh, I feel like there's not enough specificity in the characterization or world building. And other times I'm just like, well, the performances in this are so strong and I'm really feeling it. Like the vibes are like incredibly powerful. The vibes of this movie are just like off the charts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, it comes down to taste, right? Like I just feel like this, it's a little bit shallow and aesthetically, as I said, is totally accomplished. And like, clearly there's so much talent on like every side here, but I'm not I sure lo- what I'm yeah, I looked up away. the composer and that was like, it was very clearly like he was just like making it in his bedroom. And I was like, yep, no one in this movie had any money. <laughs> yes. Which again, like a t- huge testament to what they pulled off because it doesn't feel cheap. It doesn't feel like they had a hundred million dollars to make the movie or anything, obviously, no. but it doesn't feel like it was made on a shoestring, which is really impressive. Yeah. I mean, great movie <laughs> that we finally got to after uh, mentioning it last year but um yeah watch saint Maud if you've got to the end of this episode and we've now spoiled the whole movie for you <laughs> hopefully hopefully you've watched the film next week we are going in a very different direction with another listener request it's a movie called system crasher uh which is on netflix and is a highly acclaimed recent german film And uh, we're looking forward to reviewing that. So thank you for requesting it. It is about a nine-year-old girl who experiences some traumatic events. So we're going to find out more next week. Yeah, I don't know very much about this movie, but I looked it up on IMDb and the number of awards it won or was nominated for by various German film bodies was astonishing. And I was like, ah, yes, another film from a foreign country that Netflix just dumped and... I haven't heard of. So uh, I'm looking forward to watching that. If you would like to support us on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash overinvestedpodcast. Gavia, where can our listeners find you and your work online? You can find me on Twitter at hello underscore Taylor, and you can find me on YouTube at Behind the Scenes. And you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at ML Davies. The podcast is on Twitter at overinvestedpod. Our Tumblr is Overinvested Podcast, and our website is overinvestedpodcast.com. Thanks. Bye.